In today's episode, we're talking to a guy who turned $8,000 working from his bedroom into millions in revenue, millions of podcast downloads, and the mindset and strategy behind making it all work. So don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. We have got an awesome, awesome interview. But before we get into that, uh, as usual, I just want to make sure to give you the quick update on how things are going. Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read is about to hit 700 ratings on the Amazon US site if it hasn't done so already. And that's over a thousand global ratings, many of which are five-star rave reviews. And I could not be more excited and overjoyed and grateful for all the people that have checked out the book and all the great feedback that I'm getting for it. So thank you so much for that. Additionally, you can check out my YouTube channel in support of the book. That's Andrew Cap. So it's youtube.com slash Andrew Cap if you want to check that out. And of course the link to check out the book if you want to go straight there is lastlawofattractionbook.com. With that said, let's go straight into to this interview. I'm going to switch up mics and you're going to love this one. All right. I am so excited for today's guest. Matt DeCourcy launched his very first company about 11 years ago from a spare bedroom in his home. With nothing more than $8,000 limit on his Amex, he's built multiple companies that have generated millions of dollars in revenue. He's the co-founder and CEO of FullScale, a tech services company with hundreds of employees worldwide, and he's the host of Startup Hustle. He's published over 350 podcast episodes with over a million downloads across 190 countries. And he's published three books, all of which have found their way to the number one bestseller status in at least one Amazon category each. In other words, he's not exactly sitting at home doing nothing here, and I think he'll have some really fun and interesting insights to share with us. So without further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Mr. Matt DeCourcy. Matt, thanks so much for being here, and welcome to Shatter the Mold. Well, I appreciate you having me. I think the the one thing I wanted to add to that uh, intro is that my most important and engaged startup is having two children on top of that. So I also a husband and, and uh, father to a four-year-old and a six-year-old. So uh, that, wow. that might take, that, that's a little more engaged than all the other businesses and podcasts, but yeah. Yeah. And you know what, that speaks even more fervently about like how much you do, because I'm not a parent myself, but I know many, I could only imagine doing the stuff you do without making sure you're being a good father. But on top of all that, you're doing that. That's, that's just amazing. Uh, I have a very supportive wife and a very busy wife helping me with that. So uh, trying to be a good father on most days, it's, uh, it's something that you want to try to be conscious of for sure. I, I believe it. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I was, you know, I'm kind of reading off your intro here and I'm looking at all the things you do and I'm like, what do I talk about with Matt first? And I guess it kind of makes sense. We kind of start at the beginning, like, you know, you ended up starting your first company got an $8,000 limit on your Amex and really just, you know, just grit and hustle and, and savvy and strategy. Like what exactly did you start with and, and what was that first process like for you? Yeah, it, so I, I detailed that in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom. And the, the really right there in the beginning of the book, 
uh, I mentioned that, well, first off, I've been to five colleges and I've, I'm now maybe a junior in college, I think. I, I've dropped out of all of them, um, which I think is a testament to some of the hustle and figuring outness about me. Um, but that business was started accidentally. And so many businesses are. Uh, I had, and, and it was done so probably at the worst moment in my life to start a business. This is back in, you know, the 2008, 2009 range, uh, which many will look back and refer to as the quote housing bubble or financial crisis. For me, I had decided to go back to school as an adult. I had quit a job that most people work a lifetime to get. And uh, about a year and a half into that, I was really struggling to try to make some money. So um, if you want the, the, the full on details of that, like I said, I've got a book, it's available on uh, Amazon, some other places, it's called Million Dollar Bedroom. But, but yeah, really had to kind of sit down and try to figure out how to do anything we were doing. Um, as someone who spends a lot of time advising and talking about startups, I, I, I just said this yesterday when I had some guests at my house. Um, if I had to advise myself on whether or not to start that business, I would have told myself to run and run quickly. <laughs> so uh, it was really a kind of a, uh, I want, I'd like to say a miracle, but it, it wasn't. And I know you like to talk about the law of attraction and the power of attraction. Uh, you know, we attracted a lot of the success into our lives by focusing on what we wanted and how we were going to get it. So um, you know, as far as the details of that company go, I mean, we, we, uh, I, I really, I had no money. I had no experience. I really had nothing and managed to cobble so much together. Um, and, and, and yeah, my only asset that I had at that point after I, I once again, I'd gone through a divorce, gone through the housing bubble and had gone back to school as an adult. So, wow. um, I think some of it was maybe, uh, it's amazing what necessity and, uh, and, and will do for you. Uh, when you yeah. when you really need to get something done, so it's so interesting. I mean, I I was not building million dollar businesses at that time, but I was kind of making a comeback in my own life at that point. You know, got out of a bad relationship, um, lost my first business. I and I kind of came back from all that, including getting the best shape in my life. And I have this memory of it just being not really necessarily a blur, but kind of like it was like one long day. You know, like four or five months was really one long day. I would wake up and it's like, okay, I'm working out with Sensei today or okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I just pushed through. It's like, I imagine it might've been similar with you where you just, you did whatever was in front of you and you got it done and you succeeded. Well, you know, that business and that was an event ticketing. So, um, you know, and I had, I have worked at prior to that, I had worked for the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. So when it came to music and events, um, I felt like I had a grasp and understanding on a lot of stuff. The business didn't, that particular business didn't start with the intent of it becoming a full-time business right away. Um, we were, I was basically, it was what many people will call a side hustle, but um, I'm an opportunist on many days. And if I see an opportunity, I will explore whether or not it's worth delving into on a deeper basis. And as things started to, as I started to make some money, doing that, uh, I had some specific challenges and stuff to solve. So as far as it feeling like one day, no, it was more like, um, it was more like a series of whispers that turned into a yell. Uh, because like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, for the first few months, it wasn't 
I, I realized I was on to something after a couple months, but I didn't, uh, you know, I was still in school. I was trying to finish it. Um, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to do stuff, but I wasn't sure that that was it. Now that, that particular business ended up producing $30 million worth of revenue over the, the next eight years. Uh, I funded that business by collecting credit cards from my poker buddies. Um, so with kind of an interesting way to self fund there, but yeah, I had done uh, a lot of different things and, you know, that also led to me hiring my first employees in the Philippines, which are the, uh, 11 years later, some of them still work for me at the company that I'm the CEO and founder of now full scale. So we, we, I have 180 employees in the Philippines, uh, at the time of this recording, So it's, it's, I think it's interesting how many things in life can kind of daisy chain themselves together as well as, and when I look back at that whole timeline, um, how different things could be if I had made just one simple decision, the other, you know, one way or the other, like one of them was, um, I ended up doing a lot of stuff. And I mentioned the poker buddies that helped me fund it and kind of do some stuff. Well, I, I was at, prior to moving into the house that I had moved into, there was another house that I, I liked even more and it kind of didn't work out for me buying that. And I ended up getting the one that I was, that I ended up living in. Um, had my neighbor not been flying a Kansas Jayhawks flag from his porch and me doing the same, we may have never even met each other. Hmm. So, you know, just, and I say neighbor, it wasn't the guy next door. He's cut across the street and a couple houses down, but you know, you just look at these weird little things that, that, um, you know, and I, and I, back to the attraction thing, I feel that I drew a lot of that into my life. And, uh, it was, it was, um, you know, by having some, some thought process around what we wanted and, and I've tested the law of attraction. It's, it's interesting, um, you know, and, and there's, I think there's ways you can bring things into the, into your life as well as repel them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know I want to get into full scale before I do real quick, just cause it's, I'm curious, you obviously you funded in a unique way. Most people don't fund through their, with their poker buddies. Was there um was it a tough sell? Did you have to pitch them or was it kind of like more of like a casual conversation? Well, so I, I had started, so that business was buying and selling event tickets. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mentioned I had a, I had a background in the music industry. So I felt that I, I understood that there was a difference between things that were pa- people were passionate about and that th- things that were popular. And, uh, you know, so as that storyline went down and I would see these guys, I think it was on Tuesday nights. And uh, I'm a ter- I'm not a great poker player, by the way, but I I play. I liked the the camaraderie, and you know, it started out. I'm like, hey, you know, I made a couple hundred bucks last week, and then it was like, hey, I made five hundred bucks last week, and then it turned into one of my buddies going, hey, you know, he I was just sitting there talking to him, you know, it, uh, in between we had taken a break and the uh, you know the the action, and he was asking me. He said well, what if I helped you out a little bit? What's the issue? I, well, actually, I'd been complaining. I said, the problem that I have is that I very quickly get to the bottom of my buying power. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, uh, you know, that we would buy tickets, we'd have to wait for them to arrive, and then we'd have to ship them out. And then a site like StubHub, which was still very new at the time, mm-hmm. would then take another week to pay you. So the life cycle of my cash was pretty poor. 
And he said to me, he said, well, how about, how about I give you one of my cards? And it had a $15,000 limit on it. And I was like, oh, wow. So I'm going to double my buying power. He said, well, yeah, well, split some, split some of the profits with me. And I said, I'll give you 25% of the profit because I still have to do all the work. He's like, all right, cool, fine. So as that went forward, um, you know, he ended up becoming a business partner in that about a month later. But my other, my other friends went from making fun of me of sorts, not necessarily making fun of me, but they were poking, they were, if you if you've ever watched Seinfeld, and mm-hmm. have you ever watched Seinfeld, Andrew? Okay, do yes. you remember? You know Kramer, obviously an iconic character. At one point, he had Kramerica. Yes, and Kramerica. Do you industry. remember that? And 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 Jerry was always like, "What do you even do over there?" So at, <laughs> at about at about the second month, my friend Chip came to help, and he had just been laid off on a job. I was like, "Dude, come try this ticket stuff with me." So next thing you know, I had people coming over and like working and my buddies were joking and they would call my business Kramerica. I love it. Um, so, so much. Well, Kramer got an intern once too. And, you know, and they still didn't know what he did. It's funny because they were, they were poking fun at me. They were like, well, dude, when's Kramerica going to get an, an intern? Well, I mentioned I had gone back to school. I was still in school. So I went over to the business office and I registered for an intern and nice. we got one. <laughs> we literally got an intern, which the funny thing is, is 11 years later, he's the COO of Full Scale. Whoa. So, I yeah, love it. So, you know, it's just kind of funny that, you know, but they were, they were joking and they would, you know, saying I was Kramer and, uh, you know, it, how's Kramerica doing? And then they went from seeing my other buddy make a few bucks to want, the, you know, the, them saying, well, what do we need to do to get in on this? So I love that. You know, I that, love, that, you know it's when, when you're so well that you convert the people that were like the doubters, not the haters. I mean, obviously they're in your mm-hmm. corner, but when you convert the doubters because you're doing so well that it's so obvious, what, what better indicator of success could you think of, you know? Oh, I agree. And, you know, the thing was, is they weren't, you're right. They weren't haters. And I don't know if doubters, they were, they were uh, interested observers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as they, as they saw that go forward, they became a lot more engaged about the possibility of them being involved, which several of them did end up being involved. And my level of dependency changed with that over the years. Um, I had to highly incentivize them in the beginning to be involved with that. And then when it came to the point where I didn't need the help as much, you know, we restructured things. And um, later when I didn't need that financing or anything at all, I, one thing that I thought was important was I didn't cut them out. Um, so one of the reasons that the, the cards were useful was when you're buying and selling stuff like concert tickets that stacks up pretty quick. And they were, they were amassing huge value of reward points. Mm. So certain cards will give you certain rewards. And in some cases there was like one, two year period where city card was giving a 3% reward on entertainment purchases. So I had friends and family that were making hundreds and in some cases, thousands of dollars a month off of reward points, including my own family. Like I I mentioned having a four and a six year old, Uh, we didn't buy a diaper with anything other than like a, a, a gift card that we had cashed in for city points at target, you know, like for years. So So yeah, it was always interesting. You get what you pull out of out of different enterprises and paying attention to what you can, you know, what's what you can get, and I mean that's yeah. an important part of it. 
you know, I, I hear you describing this and this is so awesome. And it's one of those things where it's so obvious after somebody tells you, but most people, it doesn't occur to them to kind of look at things from that angle. I don't know if one of your books does it yet, but if not, this is a wonderful book for you to have that basically breaks this down, like all oh, the reward points and even like these conversations where in many ways um, you negotiated to have your friends involved. Like what a wonderful story. Yeah. Million Dollar Bedroom does exactly that. I refer to that as an, uh, people say, well, what's the book about? I refer to it as an educational narrative. Mm. Um, I told my entrepreneurial story, but in the very beginning, I said, I, I'm very upfront and clear. I said, look, I'm going to tell you how I did it, but this isn't a blueprint because once someone's already done stuff or things, and I know that's really general, uh, you know, that cat's out of the bag. And right. Um, you know, things changed so quickly in 2008 or 2009 and the years that followed, the internet was still very much the wild west. And, you know, that business grew from not just buying and selling tickets. We, I mentioned hiring people in the Philippines. We started building online marketplaces and using different types of plug-in technology to facilitate, uh, transactions between buyers and sellers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of that and at which at one point we were doing amazingly well. And I then ended up getting a remarkably severe Google penalty. And uh, in the book, I talk about what a gut wrenching feeling that was. And I'm, I'm actually glad that happened on many levels while it was painful at the time. Um, it really taught me the value of doing things right and not taking short cutty approaches. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people in a lot of different industries, they, they recall the Google slap that they call it. Oh, yeah. And sometimes oh, people yeah. talk about even like the Facebook slap with their ads accounts. It's all the same thing. It's um, and we've, we're all guilty in one way, shape or form, but it's it's an over reliance on one platform where even if you don't do something wrong, but something goes wrong, you kind of wish that you had diversified your strategy and had another way of of pulling in money at least long enough to hold yourself up to have a better strategy to return to that platform. So. I know a lot of people think about that. Um, I know we're bouncing a lot. I want to ask you about full scale. Like what, if someone, what kind of person would be looking for full scale services? What do you guys do exactly? So full scale is tech services. So what does that even mean? Um, the, I mean, in one line, we help, we help uh, software companies build teams of developers quickly and affordably. Mm. Uh, one thing that, that, excuse me, that most people aren't aware of is that in the United States, we have a grossly uh, in a, like a, a deficiency in the number of tech jobs that are open compared to the number of people that can fill them. Last I checked, there were 411,000 unfillable jobs. And so what that does is that creates a, a really ugly marketplace dynamic. And, you know, the most fundamental part of economics and a law that you cannot violate is supply and demand. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a great anything, but if there's no demand for it, then your selling price is going to suck. And then on the flip side, if there is a huge demand and a small supply, it not only drives up prices, but it leaves many people without the things that they need. So let's just say that you are a baker and flour. You can't bake without, a, without flour. So if the price of flour were to skyrocket, it would affect every part of your business or in the case that you couldn't even get flour, you would not even be able to open the bakery. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So much for tech companies. Uh, and, and, you know, when you look at, at like Silicon Valley, New York, and some of these marketplaces, you've seen, well, shows like Silicon Valley kind of poke fun at office place dynamics because they're, you know, they're like, who can have the most bowling alley, swimming pools, and foosball tables? <laughs> But it's uh, from a from a salary point, it's also priced a lot of people out of the market and left many companies with the inability to even find people to draw to build their tech. So uh, at at full school, I mentioned I hired my first person in the Philippines in uh, 10 years ago. And she still works with us. She has her 10-year anniversary with us uh, in October. Very proud of her. And um, now it was what we started full scale. And I say we because I have a business partner. My friend, Matt Watson, who's also featured in Million Dollar Bedroom. Matt sold his first software company for $150 million when he was 29 years old. Uh, He went on to start another company after that. And we're both here in Kansas City. He was having a hard time even finding people that like finding programmers uh, to build their software platform, which had very much been in motion for years. And he had become frustrated uh, with that and wanted to try to do something. So at the time I was the, the founder of a company called Gigabook and that we still use that. Actually, you scheduled this recording using Gigabook. Mm. Um, so it's online appointment booking. So it's kind of, kind of a funny story. I, Matt wanted access to, uh, our office in the Philippines to hire some other people. So I made him buy half my company, um, which is kind of, kind of amusing. And our goal was to help his company build a team of, of experts. We were going to put a small markup on it. And then as Gigabook grew, it wasn't going to have a burn rate. It wasn't going to be losing money. Um, We got a couple months into that and it was going well. Now, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that I also host a Startup Hustle podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had just started doing that a few months before and it immediately gained traction. So we had talked about what we were doing in our offices in Cebu City in the Philippines. It's the second biggest city in the Philippines and no one's ever heard of it, which is I find to be amusing. Um, Cebu is a magical place. The University of Cebu, their mascot is the webmaster, mm. uh, which says a lot about the community and where they're at there. So they have a lot of programmers there. But anyway, we got into this and we got a couple months into it and we found our peers, people, and sometimes guests from our podcasts expressing to us that they had the same problem and they needed help finding resources. So we took on a beta client, uh, another one, and then another one. And it was just over two years ago that I took Matt out to lunch and I said, Hey man, I don't think I should spend any more time working on Gigabook. And I'll never forget it. Cause he looked at me, he said, I just bought half the company. <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, hang on, hang on. Cause that's the way I am. I like, I like to have, have fun, especially when it's at Matt's expense, <laughs> which Matt, once again, Matt as my, that my business partner's name is Matt. So we're Matt and Matt. That's right. never confusing. Oh, that's uh, actually but, great to mess with them because when someone says like he did something, it's like Matt did it. Like, what, like Matt said, I thought that. Oh true. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> we joke on our podcast as well. And we say, uh, well, it's a good thing Matt's on this show because if he wasn't, it would suck. But just kind of leaving it up. But, but I, I, I told him, I said, hey, look, I think we have a tremendous opportunity here. When we start, when we became business partners, we had no idea that that talent shortage was so pronounced. And um, so, we, you know, as we move forward with it, we realized that, it, you know, any, okay, a, any entrepreneur or any business 
is solving a problem, or at least mm -hmm. the good ones are. The successful ones are solving big problems or disrupt. And sometimes the problem is, well, for example, Uber completely disrupted the cab industry. Um, it'll never be the same. And right. the problem that they were solving was why is it so difficult to get a cab or for someone to give someone else a ride and monetize it? So in our case, uh, you know, we just have a strong, you know, the, the belief and that really the fact <clears throat> is that if a business doesn't have the resources, it needs to be successful or it can't procure them <clears throat> at the price that it needs to, then it's going to fail. Mm -hmm. And much like I mentioned with flour and your fictional bakery, Andrew, um, and, you know, and that's a very palatable example. I made that up as I was speaking. So I've not used that example before, but I think it makes a lot of sense. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So really what we do, and then we found, so we have a huge, uh, so we only hire people that are experts, uh, meaning we have to interview about 30 people before we find one worth hiring. But our whole goal is to create long-term relationships. So if you're a software company and you utilize full scale, you're building a team that you manage and we say what we do is rare and we use that acronym. So we specialize in recruiting, assessing, retaining and employing wow. and then give you full transparent access to your team. And it's really, it's really going well. I mean, we're on a pace to, while we have uh, just under 200 employees now, uh, we expect to have around a thousand in 30 months. I have no doubt. Yeah, well, it's and here's another thing too. It's like COVID nineteen changed uh, the dynamic of the workplace and the marketplace. And while we took we took dents, uh, everyone took dents. That's normal. It's how you get pull the dents out or come back from them that matters. And you know, and now as we said, we're at we have actually exceeded where we were at at COVID. You know, when COVID hit. Um, and yeah. That's because people are really realizing, okay, well, at least for a while, we're all working remote, or at least a large portion of us are. And then I think a lot of businesses just looked at it and said, oh, I don't have to take on all this expense. Maybe I should try this. So yeah. we'll still see, but definitely trending in the right direction. I love the way, I love the parallel. Obviously, this is a much more in all honesty, like valuable, like truly valuable version, like this versus that first company with the event tickets. But I love how you've identified something that a lot of people need in, in a way where you installed all this convenience and you basically yeah. you took out a lot of friction for people. And I, it's so, it's, I don't know, it's really wonderful to kind of hear this because I think this is a wonderful perspective because who wouldn't want help with this specific thing if they need developers? I think it's brilliant. Well, you know, the, I, I think something that, all right, so when I founded Gigabook, which I did, uh, that's coming up on seven years now. I, and so Gigabook helps people take appointments online. Now, look, here in 2020, there's a lot of stuff that does that. And now seven years ago, there wasn't. It was kind of a new thing. Now at this point, if someone wants me to schedule an appointment with them and they don't give me a booking link, I'm like, or do you want me to email your AOL account or do something? But, but with that, at the time that I opened that business, I thought that business owners would appreciate the efficiency and all the other stuff. And what I realized pretty quickly was the most valuable thing that you can provide is peace of mind. And if, you know, you can't put a price tag on that. So for example, Gigabook helped people take appointments uh, for their services 24 hours a day. Now, how does that create peace of mind? Because most of these business owners who 
most business owners in the U.S. are solopreneurs, meaning they are legitimately one, the company is comprised of one person. And those people's phones were ringing all day, all night. And then for many people, let's say, say a massage therapist, you can't answer the phone while you're providing that service or you're going to lose the client you have. So they were missing opportunities. All that stuff creates a level of anxiety. And, and here's the thing is, you know, if you talk about from a, power, a law of attraction things, if all you think about is anxiety and stress and worry, well, you're going to attract more of that into your life. So mm -hmm. if you can get that out of the way and clear that slate, um, well, what, what's going to happen next? So it's the same thing with full scale, you know, as the history that Matt and I had as entrepreneurs, um, we say our company's built by founders for founders. So I can talk to, I can talk to a, a tech founder or a founder on some level and I can say, Hey man, like I get it. I've sat in your seat. I, I can empathize with where you're at. I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night and wonder if I'm going crazy, going broke, or if mm. every decision I've made is wrong, or maybe a combination, if not all three of them. Yeah, you, you understand that, not only the, the pain that they experience, but you also understand deeply the conversation that they have in their mind. Yes. Yeah. And I think that in the end, if, and you know, you know, and I know that, that you're the, that, that the attract, the attraction side of things, well, overall, you're going to attract more people into your life and more interested in more interest in what you're doing. If people can relate to you, if they feel like, I mean, look at all the, anyone, it doesn't matter who it is or what they do. You are more likely to take interest to respond or to have some level of belief in someone that you believe has experienced similar, I'm using air quotes here, stuff mm -hmm. as you. So, and I think it's important to know that because if you're trying to create, well, example is like, if you were trying to give me advice on podcasting and you'd never done a podcast, why would I want to listen to you? Like, right. who are you? You know, and I know right. that that's kind of a, I mean, that it's a realistic thing. And, and you know, and so- like how could I even talk you into it to begin with? Even if you didn't, like, even if you didn't know my podcasting history, as soon as I opened my mouth, you would know the level of insight and expertise just by what I was describing or not describing. Well, uh, and well, let's be really transparent and open here. So why am I on this show and you're scheduled to be on mine? So we're friends on Facebook. Do you, mm -hmm. and, and you might not even know why. So I'm going to tell you. So a year ago and maybe a year and a half ago, I, okay. So if the network that you're trying to build and those that you're trying to draw into your life, if those, if those aren't new people, then you're just talking to the same people over and over again. You're not building your audience. You're not building your crowd. So I actually, uh, I'd say over a year ago, at least a couple times a week, usually when I'm just laying on my couch, I go to Facebook or LinkedIn and I try to make connections with people that do the same things that I do. So that's either entrepreneurs, founders, or podcasters, which you're all of, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I reach out and make some connection requests. Now, if most of the time, if some stranger is giving you a connection request or a, a friend request, and you're like, who the hell is that? You, you'll, you'll, you might decline, at least I would. But if you see podcaster, entrepreneur, or founder, oh, okay, that's easy to accept. This person's similar to me. Now, in, in this case, uh, I had reached out looking for guest suggestions. And I believe that you messaged me and was like, hey, you know, how about me? 
Um, yeah. or, or you know, hey, exactly. I, I'll be on yours if you want, either or. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't know if that's the exact cadence of it, but you know, if you're talking about the law of attraction, one thing that's going to attract some ask, <laughs> ask, what do you want? Okay, you want to mm-hmm. be on? And I, I mean, it was like immediate reply because here's the thing you were actually making my life easier. You want to be on my show? Okay, that's one more, that's one less spot for me to fill. You're an interesting guy, you've done a lot of interesting stuff. Let's talk about it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but I was attracting that into my life maybe a year ago or however long ago. And you know, that's, it's, I, I don't believe in luck. So, you know, so much of that is, is your intention and what you're trying to draw and that can be good or bad. Yeah. Well, I think it's so brilliant because basically you've been planting seeds for a while and the seeds were growing into trees back then, but even they're so powerful and you planted them in such a way that they're still growing now in all these new ways. I think that's, that's awesome. The seeds analogy is big for me actually, because I, I refer to, I, if you, it depends, if you ask me what I do, um, it, it, your answer is going to depend on, on a lot of different things. Some usually my mood, but I've told people before, they're like, well, what do you do? Well, I'm in agriculture. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I plant seeds everywhere I go. I'm just throwing them in all directions, up, down, all around and whatever. Now the thing with that approach, and you can use a fishing analogy, lines, nets, whatever. I think that uh, with the current condition of our ocean, that's not as, as great of an example as it could have been. But with the seed planting, you know, the thing is, is, you know, seeds can grow. You might throw seeds. Well, look at a bulb, you know, like a bulb plants, it comes back year, year in and year out. Some things grow seasonally, but seeds don't always hatch and plant like right away. Sometimes they take time. Sometimes they sit in a dry uh, you know, environment, and then some rain comes and washes them down into fertile soil. You never know when they're gonna when they're gonna be plant when they're gonna grow. Some of them die along the way. Some of them turn into redwoods. Other things turn into a one season, you know, flower. And but the thing is, is if you don't throw a lot of them out there, you really don't know what's gonna grow. And you yeah. mentioned earlier about the businesses, and I believe so. Most most successful entrepreneurs or businesses. Uh, well, they have multiple things to fall back on. Um, I don't like the one trick pony approach. Now I do. Now this can also be a weakness though, because if you chase every shiny thing you see as an entrepreneur, you might prohibit yourself the ability of ever getting good at one specific thing. Yeah. You, you've got to so, like manage your bandwidth while diversifying strategically. And you got to find that common yeah. perfect balance of it all. Well, and that's, and that is the balance, but at the same time, if you're not working on or considering what you what you can, could, or should be doing next when the time comes to do that. Because once again, you know, you, okay. So my kids have, have, that's like everyone's kids have been home from school and we did an agriculture lesson. Like I've got like four corns, two tomatoes, three cucumbers. I've got these different seeds planting that we planted and that they've grown into stuff. Now we're already picking cucumbers, but I got to wait for corn. It's not Mm. even close. And, you know, and, and so some of that, you know, uh, now a good harvest is going to come in and you're going to, you don't want all the food at the exact same time either, because you might starve getting to it. But I, I, I think it's important to the seed planting mentality is, is key, whether it's with relationships, business, or, or really anything. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's, it's so interesting because except for the beginning of this conversation, where it was a reminder that you're a father. I hadn't considered it now, but hearing you describe in that way, 
your kids, I can't tell you how easy or how difficult their lives are going to be, but I can tell you they're always going to land on their feet. I can tell just by speaking to you and I can tell by what you're teaching them, they're not going to be stupid about things. They are going to, they're going to see the chessboard and they're going to do well for themselves. They, they might be stupid about it at some times. And I, and there are times when I think you got to let them learn. Mm. Um, we've decided to do homeschool this fall. Um, and it's funny cause I often, if, if you may have noticed on Facebook, I don't know. I don't think you're at home just watching my feed, but <laughs> I, I will often be quoted for thing. I like to things I thought I'd never say, and then I'll say something, you know, but things I thought I'd never say, let's homeschool our kids this fall. Mm. Uh, but, you know, for safety purposes and different stuff like that. But my wife asked, she said, uh, well, let's talk about our curriculum. And I, because I have a six-year-old. So my four-year-old, he, he's going to start kindergarten at home because it's easier for to, us to teach both of them. But, uh, <laughs> well, they're three and a half and five and a half. So they're coming up on these ages. But uh, I said, okay, well, this, here's my, she said, well, what do you want for curriculum? Okay, period one, sales, period two, marketing. And she's like, wait a minute. She goes, you know, Dylan's only going to be six. I said, yeah, I know. We're definitely behind. <laughs> yes so, uh, i love that so i i will <laughs> say like, honey i, I know we're say, gonna catch up i promise yeah we're behind we'll, we'll get caught up but and you know my wife is is a saint for oh <laughs> that for is so awesome. many different reasons largely for putting up with me um well i yeah. I, I'm, I would be very difficult to be married to for so many different reasons. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, so far I'm loving this conversation. And um, I I'll tell you, just as an extra data point, the thing that got me so excited about being on your pod, I mean, there's a number of things that get me excited about being on the show, but one is because, and I think this goes back to your, your seed planting, you're so prolific. Like this guy, he's like, he's doing it. He's like, he's, he's publishing shows, he's publishing content, he's making it happen. So I just wanted to give you that, that data point specifically of the number one thing that really caught my eye. The first thing that caught my eye about the podcast was just how prolific you are. So just want to give you props. Well, on that. I, I don't describe, I don't describe myself as that. And by the way, I mean, I'm doing all this in shorts and a t-shirt, you know, mm -hmm. like I really am. I'm not even wearing shoes right now, dude. Um, uh, and I think that that's for me, that's, it's funny to say that, like, cause I've always been that way. Um, you can create your own reality the way that you, that you want to create it. Um, now along the ways, when you say prolific, I don't know if that's, um, that's, well, thank you. It's humbling, but you know, none of these things happened overnight. You know, mm -hmm. the, I mean, we mentioned coming up, but we're coming up on, I think, at the point of recording this, and I don't know when you'll publish this, but I mean, we're at around September, it's sometime in September of 2020, we'll have our 400th episode of uh, wow. Startup Hustle. And it went well. Now it took, at one point it went really well and then we let it die. And cause we got busy cause it did what we wanted it to do. And it got us in front of a lot of other opportunity and then we quit doing it. So we had to go back to the drawing board and figure a lot of that out. I mean, I think really in the end, um, you know, it's one thing to have a plan, but if you don't ever try to do the plan, then it doesn't matter. You also have to realize, like, I love this Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to figure out your plan is never going to go according to plan. Um, right. That's the only thing you, you got, could actually you plan on. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you're going to fail a lot. Um, you know, for me personally, I, you, for everything in my life that's worked out, I've probably tried nine other things that didn't. Mm -hmm. 
um, I, I mentioned that entrepreneurial ADD, like if I'm given advice or input, you got to know when to jump on the horse and when to jump off. Um, and you also need to know if you're, if you're riding a racehorse, a workhorse, or one that needs to go to the glue factory. <laughs> and if you're, if you're, if you find yourself mounted on top of a glue factory horse, then you got to get off. And, uh, you know, self-deception is a, is a tough thing. And, you know, sometimes you got to abandon things, you know, it's, yeah. uh, uh, one of my mentors, uh, and I quoted him in my, in a different book, balance me, um, you know, said, you know, talks about, you know, there, you can, sometimes you can have a lot of ships in your Harbor. Well, ships are really meant to be at sea. So you got to get on them and you got to get out there and start sailing. And sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. I don't think you're defined uh, by uh, singular wins and losses like some of them are. Um, you know, before we hit record, I said some people know me as the full scale guy. More people know me as the startup hustle guy. Some people just know me as Matt. My friends call me Deco you know, the first four letters of my last name. And it's like, I mean, define your own reality and draw into it. Um, on that, you know, I also want to say like, get, get the negative crap out of your life. Get rid of the people that are, if they're not supporting you, then they're not supporting you. Think about that. That means that those aren't the right people that are need to push you forward. I've been saying this last part a lot lately as well. You need to consider this. So what's easier asking those on top of the mountain to pull you up or trying to climb it by yourself? And no matter how, who you are, where you are, you use that term prolific, man, I feel like I'm just getting started. Like I look around and like, there's just, pe there's peaks everywhere where someone, Hey man, pull me up, pull me up. Now you got to be careful with that as well. Cause from that same vantage point, people have a, have an amazing perspective to kick you in the mouth and watch you tumble down. Yeah. But if you, there are a lot of people that someone else pulled them up to that mountaintop. And they're looking to pull you up too. So, you know, you, you do attract all of this stuff into your life on some level, whether you know it or not, but you got to, it's not all about, it's also about repelling. And I mean, like, get away, get away, not like repelling down from the mountaintop, but right. You know, there's a lot of things like I, I have tested that law of attraction theory on, on some, you know, I, I think so much of that works because you're centric on the solution and what will get you there. And these self-fulfilling prophecies do occur uh, because that's what you're focused on. You're probably gonna be good at what you're focused on, whether that's drinking on a Friday night with your friends or building a business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> probably not both of those, by the right. way, but yeah. <laughs> then again, both it's tough to focus on because focusing on one prevents the other, right? Well, that's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, the thing is, is I, what I ask myself over and over again is, uh, is what I'm doing right now, the, the most valuable use of my time and is what I'm doing right now, moving me towards any one of my goals. And mm. if the answer is no to either one, then you need to, you're not doing the right stuff. Love it. Love it. So just to get a little more shine on the podcast, cause we haven't a chance to talk about it a lot, but we're almost out of time. I, the one question I guess I want to ask you, and I like asking this of podcasters being one myself, uh, what is the most enjoyable thing to you about doing that podcast? Knowledge transfer. Mm. I mean, without a doubt, knowledge transfer. Now, um, Startup Hustle has gone, okay, so what is that? We started Startup Hustle because we wanted to complain about being entrepreneurs. 
So Matt Watson, uh, my business partner, full scale now, um, at the end of uh, 2017, uh, and I mentioned trying things. I had previously in, in 2017 worked with a guy named JC Lopez, who's the founder of Urban Necessities. And I helped him build a YouTube channel that now has 270,000 subscribers. And wow. he'd done really well. Now with that, I was like, oh, well, this looks pretty easy. I'll start my own YouTube channel, which didn't go that well. Um, because that's hard in the beginning. I could probably do it now, but I didn't have, have really have the traction then. Um, another thing I learned was he had 400,000 Instagram subscribers. So he already had fire one place, which made it easier to start another fire. Uh, we abandoned the, the, I abandoned that idea when someone said to me, they said, well, you should try a podcast. And I said, well, why? And they said, well, when you do a podcast, you're not asking someone to give up doing something else. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, most people are there. Your YouTube channel, someone has to stop and give something else up to watch it with a podcast. They listen, they can do it while they're running, while they're driving, while they're, you know, and I was like, I mean, the light bulb immediately was, was super bright. So then you have a lot of questions to answer as well. Like what's your format? Who are you going to do it on? What's the subject? Blah, blah, blah. So Matt and I sat down, I said, I want to do a podcast. And he said, you know, I think I'd be into that. What are we going to talk about? And we just pretty much decided right away that, so I'm, I'm a 45 year old white dude from the suburbs. And so is he, I mean, he's a little younger than me, but that story's boring. It's like, no one wants to sit around and hear about how awesome you are all day or how you've, you made a bunch of money and they don't have any, that's a shitty story. I'm sorry. Mm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I did. Profanity so uh, is more than welcome here. We're all good. <laughs> well, I, we have a blanket. Well, I should have asked that ahead. We have a blanket explicit on every episode of Startup Hustle just so we don't have to police it. But mm. the thing was, is we wanted to talk about failure. We wanted to talk about the real ups and downs. And, you know, prior to that, Matt and I would say that a lot. What are the ups and downs, ups and downs? Because an entrepreneur will wake up and at 8 a.m. be ready to conquer the world. By 11 o'clock, they're ready to quit or think they're going out of business. And, and by three o'clock, they're back to like, dude, this is it, you know? So, <laughs> but, but that is a, that, that tests every fiber of your humanity. And, um, and we wanted to tell that story and the story that other people had with that, along with have open and honest discussions with, uh, well, we, we talk to people about their startups and, and, you know, as we've gotten down the road and we don't title our episodes, no one's name is in a title on Startup Hustle. We try to aim to have our feed look like a learning library. So mm. you can, if you want to learn about alternate investments, you know, raising cap, alternate capital, um, you know, there's an episode about that, which is structured all around, not traditional VC or any type of stuff. Like what are clever and inventive ways that you can go get it? Like no one was going to fund my ticket company. You know, I funded that through like, that's like angels in a way. And, um, so, you know, really just out of a strong desire to help. And we swore that we would be open and transparent. 
and I think that has everything to do with why the show's done well. Um, the number one feedback we get from people is, well, actually our new director of partnerships said to me, said, Matt, you know why I love your, your, your episodes? And we have five hosts now, not just Matt and I. We've even expanded it. And, you know, we have uh, someone that focuses on a minority entrepreneurship, female, and, uh, and female entrepreneurship, as well as an e-commerce expert. Because hmm. we wanted to have, to have it viewed through different lenses. But uh, so Jessica, who's our new director of strategic partnerships, said, you know, I love your episodes. I said, Jessica, tell me why. She goes, because I can tell you don't give a shit. And I said, well, I mean it in a good way. She goes, yeah, you're not afraid to just say it. Like, mm. but I think that's important. And, you know, like people just want to hear the real story. And that's, that's, that's been fun. And then the people I get to talk to, man, like, I mean, like one of my favorite episodes was with a guy named Cameron Harold, who Forbes called the CEO whisperer. And he charges 2,600 bucks an hour. Wow. If you want to hire him. So I got, we got an hour of his time to sit there and have a, a meaningful conversation. And like, I mean, okay. So that, I mean, that, that's the part that I like. And when we hit our 300th episode, I told my wife, her name's Jill. I said, you know what? I'm just so fortunate to be able to, I mean, 300 hours or more with leaders, innovators, investors, entrepreneurs, you know, like I just so many interesting people. So yeah, that's with that. I know that was a long answer, but that's good. You know what? Doubt, it's, it's actually out of doubt. Yeah. It's, it gets me excited when about going on and upping my game and finding some way to give you something you haven't seen before. Like that's, yeah, that's how, yeah, and, and it, it, or just like, but here's the thing. If you're trying to start a podcast, be authentic because mm -hmm. People smell that through the, through the audio. And if you're not, and you know, the thing is, is like, think about why you're doing it. And for us, like, yeah, it was to complain, but on the flip side of that, it is, it has done amazing things for our business because it's helped us uh, be in front, get in front of people and build relationships with people and something magical happens. Um, you know, when you put someone in your book or have them on your podcast and it's just, it's, you have a different relationship at the end of it. And you, like you mentioned before we hit record, you're like, we're, you're going to have a little bit of a cheat sheet here about you being on my show. And it's true because you just get a better feel for people. And sometimes that's not always a good feel. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you're like, wow, okay, well, <laughs> what am I eh, going to do with this one now? <laughs> Can I back eh. out? <laughs> well, I mean, we, yeah, we've thrown a few in the trash. Um, yeah. and you know, but I mean, it's cause I'm not going to expose if it's not good then. And that's the beauty of recording, man. Like it's not live. It's mm -hmm. not like you're on live you know, TV or radio or whatever said is said. And, you know, if you do reserve the right to edit it and, you know, there's one thing with the startup hustle podcast, it does come with a money back guarantee. So if you don't, <laughs> if you don't like it, we will give you your money back. Which um, is nothing. You paid nothing. <laughs> well, if you're, I was going to say, if you're having a hard time doing the math on that, it was free. So <laughs> that's one thing I've, I've always enjoyed about reviews. People are like, I hate this show. I'm like, okay. So there's like a million more. Yeah. So yeah, people yeah. are a funny thing. And it's interesting. It's always interesting to have this kind of conversation with a, another podcaster. Like I've had to throw two away myself and I hated doing it, but I just, I couldn't expose my audience to, to what these were. I just, I couldn't do it. And I, I felt bad because, you know, people's time is also valuable. I just, I couldn't do it. 
<clears throat> did they ever ask? Did they ever ask why you didn't publish? No. Well, the onus was on them um, in this specific thing to because both of them were getting something ready. And I wasn't going to, before even seeing how bad it was, I wasn't going to publish it until they gave me the green light about like, oh, my link is ready. And they never got back to me. So there was like a level of relief, like, good, because I was going to have to tell them that that it's a no. So they I've never they never I did that part anyway. I, I've had a few that I didn't publish and one asked why and I told him. And I said, because I introduced you and you talked for 16 straight minutes and it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't that interesting. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like it should have been a one minute answer. Um, but, you know, we're really sensitive about what we publish and how we publish it too. Because remember, if you're trying to build a brand or an audience or a following, like people forget about you as quickly as they learn who you are and, and yeah. actually probably faster. So, you know, and then the thing is, is if it, it and, and, and I'm, I'm not endorsing censorship. I mean, I don't, Andrew, I don't have to agree with you to have you on a show or right. to discuss things with you. But sometimes if it's just not great, it's not great. Yeah. So it's not good. It's not good. It doesn't ha- even have to be great. It just needs to be good. Yeah. It's, so it's got to be value for the audience. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. Cool. Sure. Um, you know, I, I promised like 40 minutes tops. We've spoken more than that just because you've been so fun. So, you know, spoiler alert. I'll talk, this... to, you as long, I'll talk to you as long as you want. That's fine. Cool, yeah. man. Well, I'll just say spoiler alert. Obviously, this one's going to make the cut. <laughs> but um, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, well, one thing, you know, I mean, we, we are wrapping up. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give in the show notes because I really am excited by a lot of the stuff that you said here, obviously like link to the podcast and also link to your books on Amazon, but just for people listening, because some people won't bother to go to the page. If they want to connect with you or learn more about you, what link or links do you recommend they go to, to check you out? Oh man, I make myself pretty accessible. Um, LinkedIn's a good place to start. You can Google Matt DeCourcy and my LinkedIn page comes up first. So do a bunch of other pages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, base, I mean, it, that's a good place to start. Uh, you know, you can find more about my business full scale at fullscale.io. Uh, startup hustle is pretty easy to find uh, in anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, find, find us at the at, at Startup Hustle Podcast on Instagram. Uh, we're, we're really responsive to messaging as well. Awesome. Awesome. And quick little props. Like you mentioned that person, um, charges 2,600 an hour. Like I, it was so funny to hear you say that because I had someone I just had on that they charge 10 grand a day, which I think is a little less on an hourly thing, but it it is really cool and interesting when you get people that normally you just wouldn't have access to, to, to kind of share with your audience. So that's pretty cool. Well, you, you need to keep in mind that, so, and I've gone through this a lot and I learned long before I did the podcast, uh, before we did Startup Hustle. Uh, so when I wrote my first book, I was insecure about asking people to be on it. I'm not even sure why, but I was just insecure about it. And I got over that really quickly because I learned that people like to talk about themselves. And, uh, and then keep in mind that, you know, part of how that person that charges X amount an hour or does whatever, um, you know, part of how they get that word out is you. Uh, You're providing a service to your guest as well. And people are listening to what that person has to say. Now, don't judge, and also don't judge someone by an hourly rate. Because, you know, if if you are going to learn more in that hour, you're not paying that person for the hour. You're paying that person for all the hours that they had to spend prior to that learning how to help you 
and help you. Uh, if you get the answer you need and want within one hour, you should thank them, pay that, pay what felt like a big rate. And, you know, that's the whole thing is, is you're not, it's not about the hour. It's about all the, it's about the approach pattern to the hour that you bought. Mm, I love that perspective. I love it. So last question, at least that comes to mind right here. Obviously, you know, I, I always ask this in, in different versions and different ways and hearing your story and hearing your perspective, there's no way I wasn't going to ask this of you, but you know, obviously there's so many different people listening to this right now and they have so many different perspectives, so many different walks of life, but whether it's life advice or business advice, what in your opinion is the best piece and most useful piece of advice that you can impart on people listening there right now? Easy. Uh, do, do what you're passionate about, you know, like what, and so I mentioned earlier, I wrote a book that uh, balanced me. It's about finding some kind of balance within your personal, professional and physical life. But um, whatever it is that you're passionate about is what you should be structuring your professional approach around if you can. Uh, and the reason why is, you know, life deals us shitty cards sometimes. Like, did anyone want a global pandemic? No, but um, feeling sorry for yourself about it or making excuses isn't going to fix any of the issues. Now, that said, uh, if you're going through turbulence and you're experiencing problems, if you're, if you get, all right, so uh, uh, self-discipline, at least what's well, defined by many and myself is the ability to do the things that you don't want to do on, on the days that you most need to do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're structuring your life. So for example, I'm very passionate about business. I decided 15 years ago that my hobby was making money and I haven't worked a single day since. And you know that, but, and I believe that like, if you talk to the people that I work with, they will tell you that I really do believe that. So if you get yourself around whatever it is that you're passionate about, you are going to feel like it, it just gets you through the best and the worst of days with ease. Now, if you're thinking about starting a business and it's built around something that you aren't passionate about, my, I will just tell you don't like, cause uh, there's no, there's no quick path to revenue in most cases, like any early stage business is going to beat you up. And um, you know, so I, we've inv- Matt and I have invested over a million dollars in startups in the last year and a half. And the w- number one thing, we look for and a founder is not is not their history it's not their business idea it's are they passionate about it because if they don't have passion they're going to quit and um and i found that that is instrumental for all parts of your life and there's something you're passionate about define it and you might not have your dream situation around it right away create it you know, create it. You don't have to start a business to do what you're passionate about. Uh, but if there's a problem worth solving and you're passionate about it, you might find that you end up making some money along the way doing it. Matt Corsi, that is some wisdom right there. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your insight and your savvy and your stories. I think uh, I say this often, there's a lot of gold in what you said, and I hope people will listen back to it and really cherry pick these best parts and use them for their own benefit because this was amazing, man. Thanks so much for this. I I appreciate you having me. Keep, Keep up the good fight, people.
Thanks so much again, Matt. That was an awesome, awesome interview. Guys, if you like that one, maybe now's the time to pull up that phone, hit that subscribe button, leave a quick, honest, written review. While you're at it, if you want to connect with Matt, again, I've got links that are going to be there waiting on the interview page for this one at ShatterTheModPodcast.com. And of course, if you want to check out my book, it's LastLawOfAttractionBook.com. The book's available in Kindle format, paperbook format, audible format so you've got uh audiobook there as well if you want to and of course if you want to check out the youtube channel it's youtube.com slash andrew cap with that said i've got more great content on the way soon so stick around and i'll be talking to you thank you for listening to shatter the mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com my name is andrew s kaplan My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.